The episode today is a replay from Fringe Legal Edge. This is something that is broadcasted live on Fridays at 11am Chicago and 5pm UK. Just in case you're not able to make those times, we wanted to present the conversation for your complete entertainment and enjoyment. Before we get started, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Fringe Legal Newsletter. This is a weekly roundup of interesting things. Every Sunday, I send out an exclusive email with three to five of the coolest things we've explored that week. It could include exclusive content, sneak peek at future projects, books, articles, or new hacks. The emails are available only if you subscribe to the newsletter and more than 530 people receive it every single week. You can join up at fringelegal.com slash newsletter. It's completely free. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. If this is the first time for you joining us, this is Fringe Legal Edge, where I speak on a weekly basis with experts and leaders around things that may give your practice an edge. And today I am excited to have Alex on the show. Alex is an expert who helps businesses implement and adopt marketing and sales strategy. He regularly speaks to experts through his podcast, The Death of a Salesman, and applies the principles at Beyond Sales, as well as DLA Ignite. Uh, Oh, and by the way, if you don't know, he's worked at BD Functions at PwC uh, as a client relationship manager at BLP, now BCLP, led the client development at JLL and a lot more. This is always fun for me because this is the very first time I'm actually speaking to Alex. We've only communicated by text. So firstly, thanks so much for joining me. I know it's five o'clock in London for you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. And there's a few things I wanted to cover. Um, Before I do that, did I miss out anything from your bio, your very illustrious bio? That's very kind. No, I don't think so. I just think in short, helping organizations understand how to build revenue using social, digital, tech and data in short. Awesome. And I guess, actually, I didn't even tell you this. So I came across your profile because I've been researching into marketing and BD specifically for law firm audiences. And frankly, there's a lack of resources there, but some of your uh, posts on LinkedIn were recommended to me by the magic of LinkedIn's algorithm. And I thought it'd be great to have a chat with you. So actually a couple of things I wanted to talk about today, really two were, how do you implement a marketing transformation strategy? And what does that even mean? And this is the second one, it's more personal for me. How do you leverage LinkedIn to build your own personal brand? So those are really the two things that we can start in either direction. If you have a preference, happy to go there. The first question is a pretty big question. (laughs) Why don't we, why don't we start with the personal brand bit? And uh, because that's probably easier for some of the viewers to implement them uh, themselves and take action. And then we can talk around the things, the considerations to give if you're looking at your marketing strategy for 2021 and beyond and what that looks like in a post-COVID, in the post-COVID era, because there's certainly some interesting stats coming out in the, in the round. So let's throw it back to you. What is your, what's your view of a personal brand? What do you believe a personal brand to be? So I think I take two different approaches to this. One is a personal brand from a, if I put a sales and revenue hat on, how do I get in front of more people? How do I just make sure that people know of me to be a legitimate person as well as someone that's respected and or trustworthy in the market, whatever it might be. So basically I have some, they they should listen to me really is the, is the purpose behind it. That's one 
end of that. And second is from a business point of view, uh, and I think this was even on on the DLA Ignite website, generally when corporates make content and share content, the impact of that is relatively minimal. Whereas if you have even you know, 10% of the individuals within that business share the same content, mm-hmm. the impact of that is so much greater. So that's also part of the personal brand, yeah. right? So you're not, you don't have to agree and certainly distribute everything that your, your corporation is putting out there, but those things that you believe in, those things that resonate with you or you think are important at least, if you're sharing those, that again gives you and the, the business therefore a, a bit more brand visibility. Absolutely. I think that's you know, two, two very nice ways to, to look at it because there, <clears throat> there are two angles and your personal brand is, is you. If we focus on the legal industry for the moment, this is actually wherever you are met online. So yes, LinkedIn is the primary platform for lawyers, but lawyers are on Twitter. We're now starting to see more and more law firms engaging with um, Instagram and Instagram Live at a corporate level. But of course, you have a younger generation of lawyer who may be on Instagram just for their own personal their personal use and whenever you put your name into google whatever comes up or doesn't come up presents you as this person and we then make judgments about that person are they a subject matter expert in their field who else are they connected to that i'm connected to that, that i trust and and so on and even pre-covid you know law firms are already starting to understand and engage with this because law is still very much a people-driven business they are buying fundamentally the lawyer not necessarily the law firm. And you know, I remember the day when you know lat- lateral hires were made and they'd bring the book of business with them because they're working with the lawyer, not necessarily the law firm. The challenge is that most lawyers perceive LinkedIn as not relevant. It's recruitment consultants. My market isn't on there, so they pay no attention to it. So most lawyer profiles, if it's a partner, they've literally lifted their bio from the website, which nine times out of 10 is out of date anyway. And it's written in the third person so that when someone's reading it, it comes across kind of really kind of strange or if you're a junior lawyer you just don't even think about it in that way and it's just a, it's just a cv and what you need to consider is that your profile your brand is talking to your next client not your next job so when someone meets you for the first time have a conversation with them in a way that you and i are just having a normal human conversation uh, conversation now so things like write it in the first person using words like you versus I, because if you use the word you when someone's reading it, you are then talking to that person rather than if you use the word I a lot, you're talking about your yourself, not <laughs> the person that you are um, talking to. Consider your LinkedIn profile very much like a website. It is the front door to, uh, to you. So consider things like search. So making sure that your profile is content rich with all the relevant terms that people might search for based on your technical ability, but also in the round from an industry perspective. And and I will say this, I get massively frustrated when you see lawyers who pitch themselves as being, you know, leading the innovation team. And then you you look at their digital presence online and it's like, you are anything but innovation. You wouldn't know if innovation hit you in the face based on, how you're presenting yourself in this space and it doesn't matter whether you're an M&A lawyer litigation dispute resolution IP uh, it all remains the same and another way to get you know people to think about this is that what if I picked up uh, any of the if I picked up my phone to any of their clients how would their clients describe the lawyers to me in terms of what they do for them they may start with they're a partner in this and that but then they go on to actually say 
insightful, commercial, nuanced, and it's that piece. Why are you instructed versus the next lawyer who on paper technically does exactly the same thing as you? That's what we're trying, you know, trying to trying to draw out. There's a book written back in 2015 by a Swiss futurist called Gerd Leonhardt on technology versus humanity. It's a brilliant read. He didn't predict the, he didn't predict the global pandemic would accelerate digital transformation how it's done. But one of the things he talks about is that which cannot be automated will become extremely valuable. And then he goes on to say human only traits, creativity, that which makes us, right? That's what we're stuck we're trying to draw out. We fast forward to where we are today. We can't get on aeroplanes. We can't do the normal networking. We can't do yeah, the yeah. going to meet my mate down the pub at five o'clock on a Friday to have a catch up or the, the coffee at, you know, in, uh, in the coffee bar in Chicago. I think it's 11 o'clock time, you know, your morning. That doesn't exist anymore. And that may not come back for a while. So consider LinkedIn, 722 million people on there at the moment as the biggest conference happening in the world right now, 24 seven and it's live. And so we need to make sure that when people are bumping into you, as they do at conferences, when you go up to somebody and you put your hand out and shake your hand and introduce yourself, that you are presenting yourself in the most positive way possible. And you know, dare I say it, the legal industry does have a bit of a, a you know, reputation that everybody's robots, everybody's autonomous. It's these gray suits. You do what you do. You have no life. You're not really human. Well, actually, lawyers are very human. I've worked with a number of law firms and you get to know their cultures and their personalities. Like, oh, my God, the perception of what I see outside versus what I see inside are two very different things. And why this is important is this can help so many other things like recruitment, for example. So I've had HR teams come back to me when working with partners going, that's brilliant, because now if a young lawyer looks at that partner's profile, the partner comes across as open they want, they're happy to have a conversation, which, you know, gives that kind of different message. So think about your personal brand as this is who I am as a person. This is what I stand for. And you, you are allowed to go and put in personal things. I encourage people to say, if they do charity work, if they're passionate about diversity, inclusion, Black Lives Matter, you know, all the important conversations that are happening now, if they support a particular sports team, if they do a particular sporting activity, marathon, uh, you know, running a marathon, skiing, hiking, baking cakes, I don't care whatever it is. Because again, when someone looks at that profile, you're then appealing to that kind of the, the human aspect, the heart, going, oh, I support an opposing football team, but you have a bit of what have you, or a soccer team, or I enjoy that particular sport. So now I then have something in common with you over and above that you're just another lawyer on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I think all of those things are really important. And at least for me, I've started to see a bit more. It's not exactly, you know, that everyone's doing it, but a bit more of the lawyers specifically starting to do that kind of stuff, making their LinkedIn profiles it's a lot more personal, right? They're, when you go onto their profile page, it is a bit more personable. There's a bit more color to it rather than yeah. just the drab black and white and, you know, the corporate image of a office building that no one's seen in three months or six months or whatever it might be. And those things do matter because if nothing else, if someone is reaching out to you, they do have a point of connection beyond, I want to potentially hire you. And something you said earlier that really resonated with me is if you do a lot of these things, you don't have to do all of these things all the time. It just means that at some point when you're in a competitive pitch, you become a bit more of an obvious choice because they can see, you know, your character beyond just what's on paper. And it's 
moving away from that idea of, you know, I'm looking at two magic circle law firms that do the same thing, you know, and you're not just going in, well, who can offer us a better price or whatever it might be. It's actually based on the personality thing. So it's super important. You're absolutely right. But I'm always at pains to say, you're not going to win work or lose work because of a good or a bad LinkedIn profile. However, to your point, 100%. You know, look, general counsel and buyers of services now typically go to LinkedIn as the first point because it's just where we go to do a bit of due diligence. I mean, I you know work with Ernst Young, for example, and one partner in particular, every pitch, he tweaks his LinkedIn profile ever so slightly to match the audience that he is pitching to because he's got LinkedIn premium. So that's the advantage of LinkedIn premium. He then knows when people are looking at his profile. So you can every so often like you make subtle nuances. So everything ties up in terms of this is what I'm saying in the pitch, this is what's saying in the written word, and actually what you out here in terms of me, it all kind of uh, stacks up. Yeah, and especially this year, as more and more things are just virtual anyway, this is just one more. If people didn't do this before, which they were anyway, they are definitely checking yeah. LinkedIn. They're definitely you know, searching for your name on Google and going to, and I'm picking on LinkedIn just because that's the platform I'm most familiar with, but you're right. Twitter, Instagram, even I've seen, I've started to see lawyers on TikTok as well. So I think all of those things make a big difference. How, how do you think this impacts because obviously the, the certainly with LinkedIn or pretty much all social networks, this idea is around the network effect, right? How do you leverage this to grow your network and really start using it as a marketing tool? How, how do you think people are doing that? And one of the things that I saw on your profile was this featured section where you saw the articles out and posts that you've written, you'd pinned there. And one of them was around this analysis a lawyer had done about the most active lawyers on LinkedIn, uh, for example. Yeah, how do you think they're doing this kind of work? It's around, it's around shifting behaviours and, 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 and mindset. It's little and often. And the key thing is if you're passive on any social platform, it doesn't matter, you're not going to be found. So your personal brand is as much, yes, your passive profile in terms of you know that static point on LinkedIn, but then it's supporting that with content, with the story that, the, that you tell. And this isn't about broadcasting corporate content because no one's interested in that. Let's be completely honest. And there's, there's a lady called Brandy Knox based in the US and she does, you know, she does branding and digital stuff for law firms. And she quoted a, an article from a gentleman, I believe his name is Jay Harrington. And he said, if it's something to the effect of, if legal is such a people driven and personality driven industry, why is all legal content devoid of all personality? Which I thought was very true. So then it's around how do you leverage content, which is going to be of interest to your audience weaved in with the corporate message this is the what i do so that people so that i'm now hearing more of a term you know we we want terms right you want to become a magnet so people are drawn towards you and your newsfeed because they know it's going to be the latest insight interesting information that's happening in the world that your market operates in supported by with just nice tidbits of information and that content could be video like this it could be the written word it could be an infographic it could be a research paper it could be a podcast it could be any number of any number of things but then also it's the engagement piece so the likes and the comments and looking at your second degree network so going to linkedin now if you're watching this type in general counsel or whatever the market is that you sell to and go to second degree in filters then go by industry and i think you'll be pleasantly surprised as to how close you are to a referral and the referral is always the best route in and in this current climate 
it's the one of the best ways to start a, a business conversation. But then that also starts to give you what your network of influence is. Because what you want you to understand is every action has a reaction on LinkedIn. So when you like, comment, or do something, that sends a signal to a small proportion of your network, but also the second degree network. And then they do things. So then it's your drawing that magnetic effect, if you will, people towards you. Hey, I've never heard of Bob, Sally, Jane, whoever, but now I have. And that's interesting. And look at who else they're connected to that I'm connected to. I might send them a connection request. You know, much like how you mentioned that you saw some of the stuff that was my, I came into your newsfeed through activity that was happening within our crossover of networks. That's what we're trying to, you know, trying to achieve here. And I follow a number of people on LinkedIn. I have never read their LinkedIn profile in my life because I don't need to, because how they are, the content they are sharing and engaging with gives me enough insight into them as a person, their, their brand, if you will, in terms of that thing. I mean, these are sensible people. They share sensible stuff. I want to follow and engage with them. Yeah, and I think you and I have something like 93, 94 mutual connections. And that's part of the reason why, yeah. you know, why your content came up on into my newsfeed. And I actually, that's one of the best ways for me to discover interesting things mm -hmm. because other people in my network who I follow sometimes, if I can't connect to them because some of them, you know, mm -hmm. are maybe third degree connections, you actually can start connecting with them. And yeah. uh, your point about GCs, I would say in within the legal sphere, uh, at least on my LinkedIn um, network, the GCs are by far the most active, right? They are writing a lot. They're telling you know, they're telling their network about their pains, uh, about what they want to have changed. And, you know, whether they're customers for you, whether they are future customers for you, mm -hmm. you need to be able to listen to that because yeah. when you're meeting with them, you can actually address a lot of those frustrations. And that's a good way to get a business conversation going. 100%. Awesome. Right. So, so we have about 15 minutes left. So time is flying by. I did want to touch on the... The transformation strategy aspect <laughs> and minutes to give you a actually i wanted to give me a primer so assume i know nothing about it it's not too far from the truth so tell me what does a marketing transformation strategy look like what does that mean and why should someone even care about what it is let's start let's just do that yeah i mean wow <laughs> I mean, um, let's let's take a kind of step back and take the sure. transformation piece out your marketing strategy is this is where we want to be in five years time these are the clients we want to work with these are the people that we want to um hire this is the message we want the market to know about us in terms of what the brand is and let's be honest most law firm brands are all the same uh, what the purpose is of an organization that's becoming really important so what do you actually stand for in society other than trying to get as rich as possible and drive you know profits through the through the roof so that is the this is where we want to be. Then the strategy courses, this is how we're going to do it. And then you've got the tactics around how, okay, this is what I want to get to. This is the roadmap we think we're going to do to get there. How are we actually then, what is then the do to get to that, that end, end goal? So you need to start with an understanding of that in my view. And then of course the transformation piece is what we're seeing today. And this is happening across all industries. It's just not, it's not just legal is that if you look up the word transformation in the dictionary, it means that you're fundamentally changing. It is fundamentally different. And I have an, I have an image of a, a caterpillar turning into a digital butterfly. That's transformation, right? Caterpillar, butterfly, two different um, things. It's the process to get to that transformation. 
the outcomes of what you're trying to achieve as a law firm remain the same. Get meetings, get the brand out there, generate conversation, generate interest, right? What's fundamentally transforming is now the way to do that, the channels to do that, the behaviors required to do that, the technology required to do that. The challenge is that everyone is basing their, their marketing strategy, their BD strategy, their sales strategy on legacy processes. Not legacy technology, but legacy processes, which don't necessarily fit, not even necessarily, they don't fit the modern world. And you know, I find it ironic, you know, outside of legal, you're seeing research uh, organizations who also have training programs going, sales reps aren't hitting quota anymore, yet these sales reps have been trained on their training programs. <laughs> okay, so we need to change everything here. Yeah. But the challenge is what happens is then they get sucked into the technology dream. We're going to buy some technology to do our transformation strategy to make us better at what we do. But if you don't understand how the technology can it help you achieve what it is you think you want to achieve? And then maybe you need to change your processes to make that technology work. And a great anecdote, the head of sales solutions, Liam Halpin, shared a couple of weeks ago. And this applies to anybody. But again, I think this is, applies definitely to legal new CRM systems, new billing systems, or the way that clients want de services delivered differently to the norm. So Liam told a story about his grandpa uh, who bought a, a television way back when with a remote control. Remember the days, remote controls, you had four, four channels on the TV. But what, because his grandpa didn't want to lose the remote control, his grandpa left the remote control on top of the television. So every time his grandpa wanted to then change channel, he got up off the sofa, walked to the TV, picked up the remote control, changed channel, back on the TV, sat back down again. So that actually made the remote control redundant because his grandpa hadn't changed his behavior and the process to achieve that same outcome. I'm seeing the same with law firms and working on the technology side of their, their marketing strategy, assuming they know what outcomes they're trying to achieve and where they want to, to get to. They're plugging in the tech and people are going, yeah, but how's that help me? How's that going to help me do anything differently in terms of what I'm currently doing at the moment, moment works fine. <laughs> so, the, and you'll know this, it's people process technology. And we all know that People are the, the hardest bit in all of this. And especially in a law firm, you know, the partnership environment, the partnership structure is not best suited for driving firm-wide transformation, if we're honest, because <laughs> you've got, you know, 200, 300, 400,000 CEOs with their own agenda, their own profit streams, their own view on life. So there's that construct, let alone the, the wider piece. So the, it's the more of, the, the marketing bit and the strategy bit is where I want to get to. Yeah. The transformation bit is how are we going to change to get to that bit that we want to, to get to. Yeah, and I, I love the story about the television set. I may have to steal that. Because I think it, it fits the scenario perfectly, right? You are not changing. You may change how you're presenting the information. So you may yeah. have a newer television set. But yeah, exactly. Your behavior doesn't change. And I think law firms certainly do that across the board in a lot of different ways. They do try to. And yeah. the people bit is difficult because it's not just, especially I imagine with a marketing strategy, you're focusing on not just the partnership, but you do need, if you do have a C-suite, you're bringing the C-suite along, you're bringing the other leadership teams along, you're bringing the sales teams along, the marketing, everyone else. And moving just one of those teams individually is a yeah. mammoth task as it is. 
times X makes it so much more difficult. Of course, that's the other thing is marketing. Let's, and that's the thing, again, law firm. Marketing is one to, one to many, right? Yeah. Marketing isn't yeah. BD and marketing are two very different things. And very again, much. back in my BLP days, well, I'm marketing to the GC. No, you're not having a conversation with them. It's like, yeah. it's, it's two very different things. And the marketing piece is the big piece where the BD bit is, like we're talking about the personal brand, mm. LinkedIn, social media, that's the one-to-one supported yeah. by that broader messaging in terms of this is who we are, this is what we stand for, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. And I, at least I, I look at this and, you know, you have your goals as you're talking about, you need to be able to communicate and well, describe what your goals are, which I think that's the first step where many firms fall over. Uh, once you have that, then you need that strategy piece on how will I get there? And then you need the tactical piece of, okay, how do I execute against each one of those strategies and multiple strategies drive towards one goal? I don't think many firms think of it that way. I actually think they're just like, you know what, we'll go and do all of these tactics and eventually we'll get to our goal, which we yeah. know we want to be better known. We want to stay profitable. It's not really a goal that you can measure. And so how do you actually, as you do work, how do you, how do you get firms and businesses to understand the nuances of this? Because, you know, put aside all the all the lingo that you can have around sort of intent data and MQL, SQLs and all of these things, how do you get them to think about the importance and the benefits for their business? Because ultimately that's the, that, you know, that it has to translate to that. Yeah. I've, it comes down to a, you can kind of, you can show this live, do this, that then starts to happen. Mm. The key thing, and this is across any industry again, is prove to me this works. Well, you've already made the point that it's uh, fundamentally is about money in the bank at the end of the day. That then comes down to technology and behaviors. If you're not attributing this in a CRM system, and I don't care whether it's cold calling, email marketing, carrier pigeon, quill and ink, a webinar, taking someone, well, we can't, you know, to an event. If you're not recording, that action led to that phone call, meeting, pitch, value of pitch, win loss. But then you can start to attribute pipeline and then hopefully converted pipeline to revenue to actions that started at the beginning here, did that. Then you've got, okay, that isn't working, but this is working. So let's stop doing what isn't working because it's costing us money and not working. Let's do more of what is working because the data we have is now telling us this. And this, you know, that's the basic funda- you know, fundamentals of you know, what CRM should be used for. Yeah. This isn't anything new, but again, yeah, and it's not unique to the legal sector. It's like more of a challenge to get lawyers to use CRM. But we're now starting to see, you know, awesome technology come to the fore. The likes of IntraHive, for example, to start to automate um, some of this. CRM is becoming more lawyer friendly. But when they then understand that if I do that, and that, that gives me more insight, which means I can make better business decisions, better BD decisions, better marketing decisions, which fundamentally could translate into more money, i.e. pet, that usually gets people's attention. Yeah, and I would say... There's a, there are a few law firms out there who are now starting to generally value what they can do with the data they have, not just yeah. from a marketing point of view, but because they have a overarching data strategy that also benefits many other functions, right? So they do then provide incentives because I think that's the missing step. Someone's been telling these lawyers who are generally pretty profitable, they're doing a good mm-hmm. job, do one more thing because in the future it will impact you. And that's that's a tough sale. 
right. whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now they're actually building in systems around this and that helps so much. And as they do, that's when they can actually start showing yeah. proof points for their business. Because I don't know what it is about law firms, but every, every business is the same. They feel they're so unique that even though a very comparable business is benefiting from it, they're like, well, it won't work for us. We have mm-hmm. to do all of these other things. Maybe, but at least you know it'll work for you in theory. So it's worth trying it out. Uh, and having that experimental mindset is quite difficult in many instances. Indeed. Perfect. All right. So we only have a couple of minutes left. And uh, before we wrap up, if people want to find out a bit more around what you do, you're present in lots of lots of places. Uh, is there one particular place that, that you direct the audience to? Yeah, come find me on LinkedIn, Alexander Lowe. I'm currently the, your digital Magellan. Um, you'll see me mention this, this broadcast. Send me a connection quest. Always happy to talk to people. Perfect. Thanks so much, Alex. Uh, and for everyone else listening, I'll type up some notes. You can find those at fringelegal.com. They'll probably be available early next week. So probably the 8th of December or so. And along with that, I'll also link the resources on the books that Alex mentioned, as well as anecdotes from the stories, the butterfly and the caterpillar I've written before about, as well as the TV set. And Alex, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your beer and uh, the weekend. Will do. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Before you go, please share this with one other person and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. This podcast was produced by me, Abhijat Saraswath. Paula Chrysostomu is the manager for the show, and Pretty Saraswath is the content strategist. You can listen to all previous episodes and reach out to us at fringelegal.com. Thank you.